From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 267. We are talking about thoughts, negative thoughts. We all get them. If you're a human being, you certainly get these thoughts. Where where are they coming from? What are they? How do we deal with them? So let's pick that apart today. And I think the best way to pick this apart is to really look at the two sides of the brain, the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. Now, going back, all the way back, throughout our evolution, we've always depicted through images representations of what is unfamiliar to us, what is the ultimate threat to us. And by doing so, we have a better understanding. By studying what is fearful and what's lurking out in the darkness, you then, that's the beginning of mastery of that thing. And so the dragon is one of those representations, right? It's an image humans have formulated from the abstract representations of what's predatory, the essence of what's predatory by the right hemisphere of the brain. Because when you think, when you go out into the darkness at night, into the woods, what does the mind do? It propagates, it proposes predators that could jump out at you. Bears, snakes, wolves, lions, murderers, axe murderers, you get the idea, right? And when you go into a crawl space as a kid, what happens? Well, it's not what you see, it's what the mind generates that's so terrifying. Oh, the spiders in here, I could get stuck in here, this could happen and that could happen. So the bright hemisphere is generating images of what could potentially do you in in that foggy, murky, unknown space of existence. And there's so much of that space because there's so little of what's familiar and there's just too much of what's unfamiliar in our existence. And so how can one make sense of all that's terrible lurking in the unknown? I mean, we have a long list of potential things that could do us in, but really, what humans have done so well, what we do so well, is to categorize all those potential threats into one image. That's the dragon, right? The dragon is bird of prey, it's predatory cat, it's snake, all in one. So you learn to master the, the dragon, then all those other predatory entities don't seem as terrible to confront. I mean, we all go and watch movies of the hero confronting the dragon. And the bigger the dragon, the more gold, right? Because you you slay the dragon, well, first of all, you come back as a totally different human being, man. You become you 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 harden. And one of the most iconic images in the Vikings TV series for me was when Bjorn goes out into the woods, he leaves his community, he ventures out into the unknown by himself, he confronts a bear 
and he defeats the bear and he comes back with the bear skin, the bear head and the look on his face, man, because he almost dies from this thing. He comes back and he's a totally different person than the person he once was before leaving. And I think this is so true for human beings. Once you confront the thing that's most predatory and you manage to defeat it and survive, then you are a completely different person. And for me, going out in public and confronting my anxiety was this dragon, really. Because when I proved to myself that I could go out there, confront this thing, confront this anxiety, survive, and then, you know, come back home alive, there's so much of me that started to, things started to click together, but my self-confidence and bravery improved twofold. And then that bleeds out into all areas of your life. So this dragon is a hyper-real representation of reality. It's a hyper-real representation. And then by using, using your rational left hemisphere, you then ask yourself, well, what can I do about that? So there's this predatory entity looming in your mind. Oh, I got a job interview tomorrow. It's going to go awful. You're thinking about the worst case scenario or you're thinking about the worst case scenario when you go on, on this date or you're thinking about the worst case scenario with your child. Um, we all do it every day. It always comes about, right? Worst case scenario at the images. But then we can use our left hemisphere and we can ask ourselves, well, what can we do about that? right? It's a loaded question, meaning you can do something about this. And so the problem-solving side of the mind is useful for, for dealing with the chaotic unknown of the right hemisphere. And so look at it this way. The right hemisphere generates what's dangerous in the unknown, and the left hemisphere rationalizes and generates solutions to deal with the unknown. And so for me, like so many other people, they let their right hemisphere run the show because you have to understand the cortical, more evolved part of the brain is directly linked to the amygdala, right? We can think our way into anxiety. We do it all the time. We can generate words that can lead us into anxiety. We generate images that can lead us into anxiety. I mean, I bet you can relate to this because this has happened to me all the time where I would see an ambulance drive by and think, oh my God, what if my parents are in that ambulance? What if my child, you know, I, don't, I didn't have a child, um, but you know what I mean? Like, what if the person I love is in that ambulance? Like, well, yeah, I mean, it's potentially possible, probable, but the likelihood of it. And so using your rational brain to say, well, well, calm down, you know, it's in, in looking at this voice and this anxiety, this image as this five-year-old child screaming out like, oh my God, what if, what if? And so let's dive into that five-year-old voice because... Once you separate yourself from 
this irrational side of yourself, the anxiety producing images and the, the words that you're using, once you separate yourself and say, that's not me, that doesn't have to be me, because so many people say, well, I'm thinking this thought, I must be a bad person. It's like, I used to think that about me. Like, it's my thought, I'm generating the thought, I must be a terrible human being for thinking that. Well, no, that doesn't define you because like in Harry Potter, which I, this, uh, this I love so much, Sirius Black says, you know, it's, it's the actions that you take that define you, the actions that you take, the, the thoughts, you know, that dark side of yourself is there in every human being but it's whether you choose to act on it or not. And if you really ask yourself, well, do I believe this to be true? Do I really want this to happen? Then I hear this other voice inside me say, well, no, I don't really want that to be the case. And then that's the truth coming out. It's like, well, yeah, obviously I don't want that person to be in the ambulance or of course I don't want that person to die or of course I, and, and so, you have to really dive deep and ask yourself the right questions. But we always have choices on whether to invite this thought in for tea and biscuits, right? We have this choice to entertain. Like this is something I learned in my recovery from pornography is when sexual fantasies do emerge, there's this opportunity to say, whoa, is I know where this leads. So having that awareness of if I choose to dance with this particular thought, where is this going to lead me? Before inviting it in, it's the vampire at your door, right? You have to invite it in for the vampire to actually come in, right? And then it's going to suck your blood and it's going to leave you for dead, right? And definitely after inviting a thought in, it's going, you're definitely going to feel like that. You're going to feel like death because it's, it's really an emotional, what would you say? It's an emotional endeavor to really tango with these negative thoughts, right? And so for me with pornography recovery, the thought would come up and then there's this 10 second window where it's an opportunity to say, do I really want to invite this thought in and entertain it? Because if you do that, it will stick around because you're then going to give it attention and it's going to overstay its welcome. And then it's going to be even more difficult to let it go because be, well, be careful what you practice and entertaining certain thoughts is a form of practice. Certainly a form of practice. So we always have opportunities. And so this requires you to use that internal voice that is not well utilized, right? You have to practice using another internal voice. And for me, I say, I reject this thought or enough of you, get out of here. Or I say, relax, because I view it as this five-year-old, which it really is. It's separate of, from myself. It's, it's, it's this five-year-old that is trying to get its way. And then you can say, well, Brad, what makes you think it's this five-year-old child? Well, let's look at it more deeply.
okay? So, well, it certainly bugs you. This voice certainly bugs you. That's one way of indicating whether it's this five-year-old unintegrated voice, right? It whines all the time, telling you to fear this, avoid this, fear this, avoid this. What if this happens? What if that happens? And then I tell it, well, then if this happens, I will deal with it, but I'm not going to entertain you right now. And this voice is also underdeveloped as well because a little child has no grip over their faculties and internal, um, I would say motivations, internal motivations and over their emotional states. They're not fully integrated. They're puppets of their emotional states, right? And I see and I view these thoughts because you can also say, well, Brad, I'm, I'm ruminating over my job interview tomorrow and I'm anxious about it. Well, maybe you need to prepare more. And this is something I noticed with myself is when I used to dread going into work, I mean, there's some things you have control over and some things you don't, right? For, for example, when you on your first day on a new job, it's not like you can know everything about the job before you go into the job. But what you can do is to set yourself up for success. So the night before, you can plan out your day. I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to meditate at this time and visualize how I want the day to go. I'm going to write in my journal. I'm going to just you know, take a cold shower, get ready, eat a high fat, high protein breakfast to get me energized and ready to go. And then I'm going to be out the door and I'm going to arrive at this time. Maybe I'll even meditate five, 10 minutes before I even go into the new job, right? You can set yourself up for success in those ways. And, and you can really gain as much control over your experience in, in, in ways that, you, you know, I used to not think were possible. I used to think, well, you know, I just have to show up at my job and, you know, just do it. It's like, yeah, that's part of it, but you could mitigate and release much of the anxiety beforehand if you were properly preparing, mentally preparing for the battle, because it is a battle, right? And so that's what I mean is this voice is saying, well, I'm scared of the unknown. Well, it's like, well, yeah, I understandably so, but there's ways to calm down the mind, the fearful images by meditating and mentally generating images of positivity. How do you want the day to go? Imagine the best way, how, the best scenario of how you want things to go. And they would visualize it and it would actually generate different emotions rather than the fearful emotions that are currently, you know, making themselves manifest. And so I really begin to question this internal negative voice. And so I began to question this voice when it used to tell me to run away from anxiety producing scenarios but then when I decided to stay and overcome the fear I noticed that this voice was 
wrong. And this just blew me away because the voice is telling me, don't go there into the shopping mall where you had a panic attack. But I show up there and then what happens? I survive, I become a little bit, I'm braver and I feel better. I'm more confident. And then I, I go, well, the voice told me not to go and I did and it turned out to be more beneficial when I showed up there. And so then over time, I noticed that what was really best for me was to move beyond my fearful limitations and bypass this fearful internal five-year-old tune that was playing out in my mind. It's like turning down a radio knob when a, an annoying advertisement comes on, right? You're just like, oh, that's annoying. I'm going to, I'm going to shut it off. And so I chose not to listen to this voice. I chose not to listen to it. It's like the cold shower. And I love, I love talking about the cold shower and this voice because it's so true that when you are about to go into something that you know to be you know, challenging, like a cold shower, the voice goes, don't go in there. And then the voice will then convince you to do something uh, uh, something else that is challenging but not as challenging as the cold shower and you know just because i'm vacuuming and cleaning up the dishes justifies me not going into the cold shower but really you're avoiding the the bigger challenge of the day but once you confront the bigger challenge of the day and bypass that internal negative voice what happens is you then practice moving beyond your limitations you're just pushing this bar a little higher and you're saying, hey, you know what? I did that today. You know, the day wasn't, wasn't that good, but at least in the morning, I did something that I thought I couldn't do. At least I did something to just make myself more than I was. And so when you, when you practice this, other challenges in your day don't seem as bad. And you're going to notice the voice saying, ah, oh, you shouldn't do it. But then you're more likely going to bypass the fearful voice because that voice wants you to take the road of least resistance. It wants you to, it wants you to remain in comfort. What's known territory. And one thing I noticed within myself was that if this voice was telling me not to do something, I should probably do it and see what happens. I mean, obviously, there's obvious reasons. Like, should I steal that? And it's saying, well, no, then, you know, obviously, you know, you know what I mean, right? That's, that's not what I mean. I mean that... Obvious things that seem challenging, like when, like when I introduce role models like Wim Hof or Russell Brand or like David Goggins, like people who are really ch challenging the norms, cultural norms. There's something within me that knew that these were the right routes to go because these were the things that I avoided before in my past. And I knew because I didn't like where I was in my life, I did not like who I was as a person. So I knew if I did the opposite, well, what what could happen? Well, better things could happen because I'm not I'm not liking where everything is in my life right now. What if I did the opposite of what this voice is telling me to do? And that's really what I was 
pursuing during my anxiety recovery. Maybe I should do it. And Einstein says this too. He says, insanity, I might be paraphrasing this, but insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? And I believe that to be the case. And most of your experience in life is of what you do not understand. There's only a fraction of your existence that you do understand, that you are familiar with. Everything is changing. Every single day, it, every day is different in some way. No two days, there's no days that are the same, right? Every day it's changing, but also what we understand as humans is chaos always comes in because we are aware of time. We are aware of the future, that if we make the right sacrifices now, then down the road, we might benefit from this sacrifice. We're always making these sacrifices, but, but potential is what makes up most of our existence. What's lurking out there? You know, the, going to the gym for the first time. I mean, there's so much potential. This is the beginning steps, but it's a challenge because you have to then go to the gym enough times to then convince yourself that you're this type of person but when you go for the first time you're going to be feel like an imposter but the potential lurks within what you don't understand the first time you go to class the first time you go to the gym or take a course or go uh, on an airplane to a different country potential right is going to manifest itself even in your regular day-to-day -day, you know introducing a new book introducing a new <laughs> a new route to work there's potential always 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 around us and so going back a little bit the mind wants you to take the path of least effort it wants you to stay in as much familiar territory as possible which is good because you need repetition or it's going to destabilize you mentally but we always need change. We always need novelty around us. We always need to consistently move out into the unknown. That's where we are going to manifest our potential. That's it. And, and the more you make friends with what's uncomfortable in the unknown, the more you develop as a person. And you become braver and you, and you become more wise as a consequence and well like the movement from unintegrated little kid who is a puppet of culture to independent self-actualized person who understands that life is a series of death and rebirths right there will be this wrestling with you and your conscience it's like the pinocchio story that's exactly what it is. Because at the beginning of the Pinocchio story, Pinocchio and the cricket are, well, the cricket represents Pinocchio's conscience. They're underdeveloped. They, 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 they don't have a strong relationship to each other. And that's exactly like mine, right? My, my conscience was like, hey, man, let's stay with what's familiar. Let's not change. Let's, 
you know, let's keep smoking weed and, you know, living in comfort and no, of course not. But once you start to wrestle with this conscience, it'll start to develop alongside you at the same time. That's worth thinking about. And by the end of the movie, what happens is, well, the cricket and Pinocchio, they're, they're, they're more integrated than who they were by the beginning of the movie. It's like Pinocchio, it's like you and your conscience are two different entities because sometimes your conscience is saying something that you do not want to hear. And this is so interesting because Goggins said this in his audio book. He said when he was when he was 300 pounds, overweight, you know, eating, you know, cupcakes and donuts on his couch, feeling depressed and sorry for himself, there was this voice in his head that was saying, "Hey, what you need is out in hell, in the muck, in the places that you do not want to look." And that's what Carl Jung would would say about the shadow what what you need most is found where you least want to look and that beckons to you and a lot of people don't want to hear that voice but it's there it's calling it's called to goggins it was like hey man if you want something from your life if you want meaning you have to go out into this area of the darkness you have to go out here into this hell to manifest your true potential and that's where i'm going to leave you today on this podcast episode thank you everyone for listening for being a part of this recovery community rise above anxiety i'll see you next time brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is now available at unpluganxiety.com the Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com.